DBA is a place for everyone, doubters and believers alike, to discuss theology, current events, and a rediscovery of radical hope. Find us on Facebook at Doubters forward slash Believers Alliance and on Instagram at Doubters Believers. like this so i'm glad to be out there and i think i was telling curtis i need to put air in my front tire because it's a little low because that's what happens when it gets like 10 below degrees outside but you know you know you know uh people always caleb and jay said brian you always you always talk about the weather like every time you do a dba and i'm like well i can because as a lifelong minnesotan we always complain about weather, we complain about politics, and we complain about our sports teams. That's just something that you do as a Minnesotan, because all three of those things give us sheer um, anxiety and depression every year. Um, our our talk from a couple weeks ago, I think from two weeks ago, should be up. Like I said, we're a couple weeks behind just because of the holidays, which is fine. Um, but that should be up uh, later today for your listening pleasure. If you're not, if you haven't listened to it yet, as I have always said, please, you know, if you like what we're doing, subscribe to the Sacred Collective. Uh, what am I trying to say? Podcast link, like our videos, share the videos. You know, shameless plugs for doing that. It's how we grow. Um, it's how any group or individual thing grows. Um, oh, I should say I got a really nice compliment from someone who wrote on my talk last week of how they really don't like institutional community anymore and how they, uh, really like what we're doing. Oh, other thing I found out, um, I don't know if anybody knows who the rapper Lecrae is. He's pretty big in the Christian music scene. Um, he's a black rapper. And the thing with a lot of the black rappers, I didn't know this until my friend Scotty told me this years ago, most of them um, are Calvinists, and there's this movement within, like, the black churches to be reformed, to be Calvinistic. Well, Lecrae is pretty huge. He's, you know, toured with secular artists. He's toured with Christian artists. You know, he's done, like, um, crusades and things like that. Well, I guess earlier this week, because he's starting a new tour here sometime in 2022, and uh, he actually came out and said he still um, he still believes in Jesus and is a Christian, but he um, is done with the institutionalized church. He's done with going to church as you normally think it is, and he said it was him going through seminary, him you know, going to his Reformed professors being like, make this make sense to me. And they couldn't. Um, and then also, I guess, there was this Christian rap group called the Cross Movement. And I forget what what singer it was, but he actually this week came out and renounced his Christianity and says that he's not a Christian anymore because it doesn't make sense. So, uh, like I said, it's not just happening in the evangelical world. It's happening all over the place, whether you're Reformed, black, white, 
whatever. I just thought um, that was interesting um, to hear that from from uh, that perspective and, and to know. And it's funny, my a man and I, our love language is sending videos through TikTok <laughs> recently, and uh, it's it, it but it's it's mind-boggling to see how many with the algorithm how many people um have have emotional damage um if you know what that is from tiktok you'll get get it uh have emotional damage from just growing up in the church especially the evangelical church and uh it's it's a breath of fresh air to realize that i'm not the only one who's went through that and there are thousands if not millions of people like me who have went through it um i just have my little slice of the interweb to talk about it if people really care about it <laughs> but when you get little comments like i did last week that said hey i like it keep up what you're doing you know you don't need those but those go a long way so i appreciate it so i asked telling Curtis on the way down here today, I'm actually going to go to the Bible today. I know, the craziness. I'm going to go to the scripture and how I kind of, there's a lot of days where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I don't know what to talk about this weekend. I have a lot of ideas, but I'm like, is that going to be too much? Is it going to be too convoluted? Blah, 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 blah. But I interviewed a professor friend of mine who, you know, um, which that's coming out on Sacred Collective this week. Um, and he was an Old Testament professor, and we were just talking about kind of like shooting the breeze of how he taught me for so many years, how our friendship has blossomed and, you know, all these things. And we started talking about wisdom literature, and we started talking about those ver books in the Bible. And I said, honestly, those books <clears throat> in the Old Testament, which I'm going to, which I'm going to bring up. Um, have actually influenced me probably more than any of the Gospels, any more of the epistles in the Scripture. And I was like, and I just this light bulb went off in my head. I'm like, this is what I'm going to talk about. Because what you'll hear me talk about, and I'll give a little kind of uh, foreshadowing of what I'm going to talk about, is just you don't have to be a Christian. You don't even have to be a believer in, in God to to get what the wisdom is. Because... You know, um, you don't have to be a Buddhist to find some good things within, you know, the Buddhist texts. You don't need to be a Muslim um, to like what the Quran says in certain parts. So, this talk's going to be more about um, how do we find, or where do we find wisdom is the name of the talk. And I'm going to, obviously, for being more on the Christian end, I'm going to say where we can find wisdom within the scriptures. So, where can we find wisdom in the wisdom literature books? Now, before I say what one of those are, people who don't realize, because um, I get so frustrated and people are like, oh, well, the Bible is so easy to understand. This person wrote it. Um, this is what the Bible says, blah, blah, blah. Well, anybody who has studied religion especially Christianity will tell you, no, Christianity is, or the Bible's not that easy to understand. And there's, uh, you know how if you read a book and it's like a murder mystery or it's horror 
or it's romance, and that's just the genre of a book and how it is written. Well, in the Bible, there is genres on how books are written and why they're written. And so, like Revelation, where people like to say this is true and real, it's apocalyptic literature. Um, you see that all throughout history. People have written apocalyptic literature, kind of like Paradise Lost, um, where I will say a lot of, we get a lot of our, this is how the world's going to end from that book, even though it's not supposed to be meant as that. Um, and then we, you know, kind of have the Gospels in there, more of a historical way, reading, looking at it. Um, but then you have the wisdom literature, which is literally just that, these books in the Bible that are so jam-packed with wisdom. Um, and I will say, wisdom doesn't necessarily mean that it's factual or these things happened, but when you read it, it's wisdom, just like a parable. Uh, you, you, you read a parable, so many Christians are like, oh, well, parables have to be real. I said, that's not the message of the parable. A parable is there's a beginning, middle, and end to a story, and it's trying to find what that meaning is. How, how does that, what does this story say to us? How does this story speak to us and speak to the community at large? So the four books that are considered in the Old Testament that are wisdom literature are the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Job, the book of Psalms, and everyone's favorite book, the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs, which a lot of people do not like talking about in evangelical churches because it's very sexual. It's our, it's our sex book in the Bible. Um, um, I think so. Um, there is... Um, what am I trying to say? There's books that, like Apocrypha, uh, the Apocrypha that Catholics use. Um, there's like, there's another Ecclesiastes. There's like Ecclesiasticus, I think, and uh, the Wisdom of Sirach and stuff like that. So yes, um, you're not interrupting. That's actually a good thing. I didn't put that because um, I'm not as familiar with it just because I wasn't raised Catholic. But there are other books. That's a good point, Curtis, um, that... Catholics and other maybe Eastern Orthodox people use, but kind of more strictly speaking to uh, what a lot of us are used to are, are these four books. Um, but yeah, these book these books mean a lot to me because I feel that these four books, maybe not as much Song of Songs, but I think Song of Songs is good because it gives... People always would tell me in the in the denomination I grew up in, it was a love story between God and His creation, and I was everyone was like, mm, I don't think so, because that's a very erotic talk from a God to His people, um, and scholars will even say, you know, you know, it's it'll say breasts, it'll say pretty much it alludes to like masturbation or you know to orgasms, and I'm like. I don't think God really has orgasms when it comes to his church. So, but I think Song of Songs is good because it's letting people know about just relationships and love and, and all that stuff. But I am not going to go down that road. Maybe another time if people, uh, my, I'll put on my sex ed hat and then we can 
have at it. No, but I, I think these books, especially the, you know, Ecclesiastes, Job's, and Psalms, um, why they mean a lot to me particularly is because the times that I've went through suffering, the times that I went through grief and turmoil and, and everything is these books actually not at the time because I was young and didn't understand it, but over the years, these books have given me uh, pause to reflect, pause to re- not taking the pain away, not taking the hurt or the suffering away, but to realize, hey, within my own tradition, there's stories, there's accounts of these things happening. And if I can just take a little bit of that and incorporate it into my own life, I can realize like, hey, these people suffered. Maybe they're going through worse suffering than I am and they got through it. Because you always hear the whole adage, like when you're going through shit in your life, you know, you always, you don't want to hear it, but people are always like, well, there's someone that has it worse off than you. And sometimes that's kind of like a slap in the face, but in actuality, it's truthful. Like we're all fighting this battle, which is life every day. And, you know, someone might be like, oh, well, I lost my job. I got laid off. Well, but you still have money in your account. You can still do this. There's some people who might lose their job and then they're homeless and don't have anywhere to go uh, or they can't feed their, you know, their family. Um, But I'm going to not strictly go into Job as much, but I'm going to talk more about Ecclesiastes and, and Psalms. However, I will talk a little bit about Job and how I do like that book, even though um, a lot of people in the church, I feel like, don't like it or don't preach on it. And I've always grown up in, growing up in the Assemblies of God, uh, they're a very New Testament-centric church. I mean, most Pentecostals go back to Acts 2 and all this stuff, and I always didn't I, I didn't hate the the Old Testament growing up, but I feel like by the time I got into college and seminary, I really did not know much about the Old Testament compared <clears throat> excuse me compared to the New Testament just because most people are like, oh well, this is telling us about Jesus the new you know the Old Testament's leading us to the New Testament, which is true in a way, but there's so much rich things that can be found, especially in the wisdom literature so yeah um. And I, w- I would say to anyone watching or listening, whenever you do, uh, just just go back, not all at once, but maybe go through Ecclesiastes, maybe go through some of the Psalms, and and just take a look at it, read it, and kind of unpack it. You know, reach out to me if you have questions, because when we go through, lack of a better word, shit in our lives and suffering and grief. Those scriptures are there to help us, and I'm going to give you a couple in a little bit um, that has helped me and can hopefully help others. Um, why did I – this is kind of heavy. Um, I know I'm going to – you know, talking about this. But why did I t- choose to talk about this? Um, I didn't run it past you, Amanda, but I'm sure this is okay. But in this past year of 2021, um, we lost three people in our family. Uh, specifically Amanda's side, but, you know, they're my family too. Um, We lost her brother in November right before Thanksgiving, and then we lost both of her grandparents within a couple months of each other this past year. And put together, since Amanda and I have been a couple, how many people have we lost with grandparents and 
I think we're over 10. So in about 12 years being together, we've lost 10 people. And yes, some of them are grandparents and, you know, yes, they were older, but it still doesn't take the sting away. Still doesn't take the hurt away. Um, Amanda and I lost both of our fathers years ago. So this, this conversation is coming from my heart, coming from the gut, because um, I feel like growing up in the church, I was never prepared for grief. I was never prepared for suffering. Even though there's scriptures that help us with that, it was just like, don't doubt God. Don't read some of this stuff because, you know, you're supposed to be happy and frou-frou all about Jesus and he's your best friend and he'll help you through everything. And then you're like, well, what happens when my loved one dies? You know, my brother, my father, grandparent. And, you know, people are like, just give it to Jesus. And it's like, well, that doesn't really help when I'm going, going through this shit. So I, it, it, this is kind of coming from a culmination of all, all these people dying, but then just reflecting over the holiday season, you know, people are, and I'm not, I know not holiday seasons are happy for everyone, but for a lot of people it is. And then just having to have that emptiness, you know, having that emptiness of, you know, Amanda's brother not being there and like my brother-in-law and Amanda's brother and I were actually very, very close. We loved the same kind of music. Uh, unfortunately, we had the same love for the Vikings that never, never win. Um, and it was just fun. Like, he would send me random texts about bands that were out. And I I got emotional a couple of days ago. I didn't tell you this, but I looked back at my last text that he gave me, like, about a month before he passed, of just this band. He's like, hey, Brian, here's this cool band. They really slap. And I guess that's what all the cool kids say is slap. And he's like, this band really slaps. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Um, I haven't heard of them. I'll check them out. And he sends me this meme of a guy like pointing like, I got you. And it was just little things like that that made me, you know, and, and I always tell people like their legacy and their memories is what keeps us, which is true. But what's really helped me through the loss of him particularly and like my grandparents and like my, you know, my loved ones is going back to wisdom literature. And this kind of all came flooding back to me when I interviewed, like I said, this, my professor friend of mine. And when we were talking about it and I was kind of saying like, hey, even through a lot of my deconstruction that I've done, uh, the one thing I haven't deconstructed is wisdom literature because of how I think influential and monumental it can be in on people's lives. So, the first scripture I'm going to read, buckle up, this is going to be dark. I think I maybe have read it before. However, I'm going to read it again because it's so, so important. Um, and when, going back to when we were planning my brother-in-law's funeral, um, their good friends uh, who they moved up here for to start a church with, they, they went to Bible College, the same Bible College a man and I went to, and the, the pastor's wife, Tara, had said, hey, um, how are you feeling? You know, I, you know, everyone was asking Amanda and everyone else, but they're like, I know Josh was close with you. He said he was close to you, you know, in previous conversations. Like, how are you dealing with this? And I said, well, I'm dealing with it and grieving with it in my own way. Obviously, I have a different relationship uh, than they do. But I said, I think the one thing that has monumentally helped me 
uh, even more was going back to Psalms 88. And they're like, or she was like, well, what does that say? And I was like, so we know that there's 150 Psalms that make up the entire book, but over half of the Psalms are laments. And laments are just a, a, a form of written out prayers. And usually how, this is getting really boring, I understand, I'm sorry, but it it needs to be said. But it, it's, it starts out as like a, a, like a cry out to God. Oh God, where are you in the midst of turmoil or whatever? And then it's, uh, then it describes what this individual writer is saying. And then it usually ends with that person, therefore, kind of coming back to God and being like, but even in my unknowing, doubt, suffering, whatever, I still see your face. You know, it's just this kind of coming coming back to it. But, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, well, this part portion of the scripture, like Revelation is really dark or kind of ends really uh kind of ends really uh dark i will say that um psalms 88 um don't mind my daughter she's just having way too much fun um in the back part of the theater (laughs) you know kids kids keep us young and they also keep us very very tired um so psalms psalms 88 says this O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead. Like the slain lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more. For they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep, your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up and praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave, or your faithfulness in Abdon? Are your wonders known in the darkness, or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me, afflicted and close to death from my youth up? I suffer your terrors, I am helpless." Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. I told you that was pretty... It's it's just bleak. And when I first... I don't know how I got turned on to that scripture. I don't know if it was Tim my friend or someone else, but that helped me in so many ways because I was like, here, and people attribute David to writing the Psalms, and we don't know if David was the one who wrote all the Psalms. But, so when I was telling this pastor friend of of Amanda's family 
I was like, Psalms 88 helped me th- is helping me through this. And she's like, what? And I kind of told her a little bit what it's about. And she was like, hmm, I didn't even know that that was in the scripture. And I was like, well, yeah, because the church usually doesn't teach stuff like that because it's very, very bleak. And if you just look at some of the, the, the I love, like, uh, what is it, like a metaphor or an analogy of, like, uh, your horrors are upon me. You throw me down into this pit. You you know, my, what did, what did this part say? Like, your waves crash over me. What is it? Uh, yeah, it was like you're, this, this hurtfulness, this unknowing, this, this terror crashes into me like a wave. Just think about that. Looking, looking at a wave out in the ocean and just, if that's terror and it's hitting you. And, and I mean, it's funny because like the next, the, the next, uh, Psalm after that, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord, excuse me, of the Lord. And I'm just like, okay, why is this put right here? Is it trying to put it, give, give us this meaning or what? And I felt like every time someone in my family dies, of course, I'm mad. I'm sad. I, I'm like, why is this happening? What is going on? And I just, I don't know why, but going back to that portion of scripture lets me know like, hey, people have experienced the same shit that I went through thousands of years ago, and they're still not okay that it happened. It happened, and we have to deal with it, but it still happened to them, and they write it out, and we can read this centuries and centuries later. And I've said this many times before, but I'll say it again, like, lament is so important because it is literally something that the Bible's like, here, you're hurting, you're grieving, you're suffering. I'm not, it's not saying that that's going to be taken away, but to lighten the load, lament. And I've actually proposed at churches before, we should have like a service like once or twice a year where we just lament, where we literally have the pastor up on stage or wherever saying, hey, you want to come up here, yell at God, do it. You want to curse him out, do it. Because it's not only is it therapeutic, but it's like if we say that God's all powerful and you know can handle all this, I think cursing at God, God's not going to be like, whoa, 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 I can't handle this. Um, and like going all the way back down to 2005 when my dad died, um, I was actually interning at a church um, over in St. Paul, and actually not too far from where we live now. And it was an Assemblies of God church, and it was this evening, beautiful summer evening. And I didn't know, but my dad was having heart issues again because back when I was six, he almost died of a heart attack. And so he came to service, you know, all this stuff. The weird thing about it is the next day he had a, because uh, he's a veteran, so he had an, a heart appointment at the VA. Um, and he went downstairs. He said he was going to grab some coffee because my dad would drink coffee if it was like 600 degrees outside because that's just who he is. And then I found my dad dead. Uh, he died in the bathroom just when he got done going to the restroom, had a full-blown heart attack. And by the time I found him, he was blue in the face. And I have to live with that. I That plays over in my head multiple times, uh, multiple times a year. Uh, I don't try to dwell on it because I can't do anything about it. But I remember vividly, it was a very small church, and I remember people in my family, you know, praying in tongues, saying, oh, you know, Marlon, who is my dad's name, you know, come back to us, all this stuff. 
and I was so angry and I was so mad because I was like, what the hell, God? We're in church. What, you know, if anything, I should just walk away from you. And people people might listening might be like, oh, whatever, Brian, like, you can't, you, you know, you can't say fully if this was God talking to you. But I will say there's maybe two or three times in my life where I honest to God think that God spoke to me. Like I could hear some sort of voice, not like a loudspeaker, but like blaring off in my head. Um, and I literally just was like, God, if you're real and all this stuff, I was like, pretty much I said, fuck you. And I said that probably about 20 times in about five minutes. And I was like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And I, I like the F word a lot. It's my it's my favorite curse word, but I but it's so cathartic and it's so therapeutic for me. And after I was done and I kind of felt like I had no Fs to give literally, <laughs> uh, I literally felt like this embrace and this presence and this voice say, It's okay, I can handle it. And you weren't you weren't the first to do that and you will not be the last. And it it sounded like it was like somebody right next to me like whispering that into my ear and I just get goosebumps talking about that because you know I'm like I literally told God to fuck off multiple times and I in that time you know it was like I felt God saying like cool all right I can do that for a little bit but it was my understanding of like my grief and my suffering that was the worst thing that to this day I think that I've experienced and even in that lament or my didn't know it at the time that lament really kind of opened the floodgates of me understanding lament understanding suffering and even in the worst part of my life that I've experienced I still found some sort of peace and some sort of um hope um and like anybody will tell you you will never over overcome the grief or the heartache of losing a loved one. You just won't. I don't. Human beings aren't made to overcome those things. But then going back to Psalms 88 and finding about that, like when I really miss my dad, I always go back to that to be like, yeah, that day, that moment that I experienced was a Psalm 88 moment, and it was really. Uh, transformative sorry if this is getting really kind of sad and (laughs) and dark but it it is what it is um job um i i like the story of job i don't know if it's real or not i actually wrote a paper in college got a good grade on it but my professor totally disagreed with me on it because i more or less said i don't think job is necessarily a factual historical account But I think since it's a wisdom book, it's telling us wisdom in there. And Job's, I don't know, 40 chapters. It's a pretty decently long book. But more or less, we all probably know the story of Job, of how who Job was. He was a farmer, um, beautiful wife and kids and whatever. Had a lot of, he was rich in, in essence in biblical standards. He had, you know, great farmland. He had cattle, all that stuff. He had what like what we would say the American dream is, especially if you were like a farmer. And the story goes like how the devil and God made this wager. You know, the devil's like, oh, I'm going to take everything away from him and he's going to renounce you. He's not going to believe in you. You know, in the Old Testament, they called God Yahweh, you know, and God was like, 
you don't know my servant Job. Um, you can take everything away from him, but you can't touch a hair on his head. Meaning you can't you, uh, you can't kill him. You can do everything else, but you just can't kill him. And so they were like, cool. And, you know, as the story goes, all these things happen. You know, his cattle all dies. Um, I don't know if his kids die or they get really sick. Everything is literally taken away from this guy. And he has, he even has his own family come up to him and say, you need to curse God. God is doing this to you. God's taking this away from you. What did you do, in essence, to make God so mad at you that he had to do all this? And Job so eloquently says, it's not God that did this. It's life. This happens. Just because I had all this and this is great and this horrible, shitty stuff happened to me doesn't mean that it's God's fault. Or that God did it, and I'm still going to believe in God, even though I don't understand or know what I'm going to do next. And I think that story speaks a lot into my heart, because there's times where I'm like, screw the church, and I you know, get, to get this frustration, but I go back to Job, and I'm like, you know, God didn't kill my father. My father died because he had a heart attack, and heart attacks happen to people who have a bad heart. Which is what happens. Um, my grandparents didn't die because they were horrible people. They died because they were elderly. And that is what happens when you get older. You get sick and you die, you know. And, you know, people say, oh, Brian, what about, you know, two-year-old kids who die of leukemia and cancer? Yeah, that's terrible and that's tragic. However, I think the story of Job is just like we need to stop looking at the crazy intense things that happen in our lives and always if we don't understand it just blame it on god i have so many friends who've walked away from the faith and i'm fine if they do that's their opinion and that's their choice but they'll be like i prayed for god to heal my grandfather of cancer when i was like 15 and he let my god or he let my grandfather die so fuck god the church is you know whatever god's dead and i'll just look back and say wow that's really i'm sorry for your loss but that you just unloaded on on all the faith for the situation that happened, and I was like, and my brain logically is like, wait a second, how how can you blame God on that? Where God's not anywhere in the Bible a magical genie. God never says you come to me when you're dying and sick, and I'm going to heal you. Yes, there's healing in the Bible, but it doesn't mean God's going to heal every single person that comes to Him. It just doesn't happen, and and I and I think it's because people are misguided because they think of God, <clears throat> excuse me, as like a genie. Where anything we need of God is, I'm just going to rub this lamp, and poof, God's going to come out there and be like, "Hey, how can I help you?" You know, oh, you want a job? Job. Oh, you don't want to die? I'm going to heal you from that. That'd be awesome if that happened, but that's just not life, and. There And then I reread the story of Job, too, within the years after my father passing away. And it really put into perspective. And I was like, here's my father who passed away. He's never going to see me get married. He never saw me graduate college or with my, you know, my master's or doctoral. He never got to see the birth of another grandchild, like my first child. And those all those missed things that my dad wasn't in my life, I could just be like, fuck off, God, I hate you and, and what whatever. But I look back at Job and I kind of kind of mimic the words of Job is that wasn't God's fault. It's just life. Life 
life happened and I experienced life and we all so often forget as human beings what are the what are the two constants of every human being and almost everything on this planet you are created or born and you die and people don't like to hear about that I feel like especially now in our culture we're doing everything we possibly can do to prolong our life because we're in a lot of ways afraid to die and then when we see a loved one die as we recently just did you know two months ago we're like god why did this happen why why is this blah 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 and we can ask all these questions which is fine but i go back to the to, to these wisdom literature and it is like well ecclesiastes literally says all throughout the book there's a time to be born and there's a time to die and no one knows when that's going to happen it's what matters is what we do while we're here alive and the life we live but so if you can is this kind of a depressing talk hopefully it's not i think it's can have some sort of some joy um but ecclesiastes like i said <clears throat> if somebody said brian what's your favorite book or portion of the scripture i when i was younger i was like oh i loved like the the gospels because of all these stories of jesus and miracles and stuff and kind of sounds like a cool mini series that you could put together but as the older i get you know and I'm almost 40 years old myself probably for the probably for the last 10 years or so the absolute most favorite portion of scripture to me is the book of ecclesiastes because ecclesiastes is just this brutal book that just shows you and it's short it's probably i don't know in your bible it's probably 10 or 12 pages but in there it literally just lays out like this is life this is life this is what you're going to experience you know be happy be joyful uh live the life you want to live but also you're going to die and that's it when you're when your candle gets snuffed out you get snuffed out and you know enjoy enjoy the ride while you're while you're on it um yeah as i said before you know my favorite part is there's a time to be born and there's um a time to die uh but the part i'm going to read in ecclesiastes which is kind of cool it's because i was telling i was telling my friend who i interviewed i was like I've always loved the phrase uh, like seize the day or carpe diem, which is seize the day. And I know I'm like, I kind of want to get it tattooed somewhere on my body, but it's so kind of, you go to like Pinterest or whatever. And like everyone and their mom has carpe diem tattooed on them. But I like it because to me, I was like, seize the day just means every day that you live, seize it, you know, make the best of it. And that's what I look at it. Like, seizing the day is, you know, I'm not going to get up and just always be angry or whatever, but just, you know, when I go to work, I'm going to be the best employee that I could possibly be. When I come home, I'm going to be the best husband, the best parent that I can be. Not saying that it's always going to be easy or whatever, but at least seizing it and, and, and enjoying what I have. Cause it's so funny how people are like, Oh, I'm going to do this in 20 years. Or I'm going to do this in 30 years. And I always, there's this, kind of the hairs on my neck stand up a little bit because I'm like, you know, in the scripture it says, you know, enjoy the life you have now today because tomorrow you don't know if you have that. And I think it's so funny that Christians always 
especially evangelicals are very futuristic and very futurist of like, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. But a lot of times, especially in the Old Testament, it's like, you shouldn't talk like that because you have no idea what the next day is going to bring. So the day we have like now currently where we're at, I'm going to live this day to the fullest because I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. Hopefully I am. But, and I don't know if I'm going to be here 30 years from now, but I'm trying to live the best life that I possibly can. And I'm going to seize, seize that moment to do so. And I'm, Amanda had to step out a second, but she'll um, put this, put this up. Um, There's literally a portion of scripture in Ecclesiastes that literally talks about seizing the day, about living in the moment, living in the present. I bet you didn't know that, but here it is. It's Ecclesiastes 9, uh, verses 7 through 10. And I don't like this version as much, the ESV. I think the message does a pretty, I like the wording better, but I didn't bring that Bible, so you have this version. Go, eat your bread, enjoy, and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved of what you do. Let your garments always be white, let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy the spouse with whom you love all the days of your vain, (laughs) I think it's funny, all the days of your vain life. He has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might, for there is no work, work or thought or knowledge or wisdom when you die to which you are going. And that's right there in the Old Testament. It's literally, to me, so some people might be like, well, that's kind of, uh, it's pretty much saying, yeah, you know, great what you're doing in life, but eventually you're going to die. Yes, that that's part of it. But I think the bigger part is, hey, you know, if you love, you know, love sewing, hey, sew, have at it. Have a great time doing it. Cool. Because when you die, you're not going to sew anymore. <laughs> you know, if you love watching sports, like I do, maybe maybe Amanda doesn't like me how much I do it. It's like, go enjoy watching games. Whether you go to a game or you watch it at home. Because when you die, you're not going to have it anymore. Or like you like going to concerts, go. Have a good time. Go to concerts. God approves of what you do. Because when you die, it's, it's done. You're not going to have it anymore. And so that's, to me... When I was talking with my friend, he's like, literally, that's in Ecclesiastes where you, like, seize the day. Like, go out. Have a good time. Have friends. Go on that date you want to go on. Marry that person that you want to marry. Because when you die, it's done. It's over. We're going to all die. And that is why I, uh, the frankness and just the openness that Ecclesiastes has, it literally just lays it all out. It's like, have fun for tomorrow you're going to die. And, and that's why I think it's so funny where you have so many denominations and so many churches split splitting hairs like, oh, uh, you can't drink, you can't smoke, these things are bad, you know, God might judge you a little bit. I go back to Ecclesiastes and I'm like, hey, it tells us right in here that we can have a good time and we can have fun. Um, I don't, you know, and, I, and, it, and it just says in there, go, go out and ha- drink your wine. Have fun. Ha- go out and have a ball. Because, and I always tell people, at the end of my life, whenever I do die, I never want to look back and say, oh, man, 
I wish I did this. I wish I traveled here. Or, or I wish I did this or I wish I did that. I, and that's why I do a lot of the things that I do. Like, that's why if I like beer or whiskey, I'm going to try it. And I'm going to drink it because when I'm dying on my deathbed, I'm like, man, I wish I had, you know, beer more often. Well, I could have. I just chose not to because I thought the church was going to get mad at me or God going to get mad at me. You know, Amanda and I love traveling and we want to have... You know, Ava experienced that when she gets older of, of traveling. And we're already talking about with COVID and, you know, if, if certain stipulations go down and stuff, that would be really cool for us to go to a city we've never been to before and just experience it for like a weekend. Um, and going back to Ecclesiastes, God's like, hey, I'm cool with that. Go go out and travel. Have fun as long as you have the money to do it. I feel like it's like a parent just being like, hey, you know what? If you do this, be smart about it. But I, I condone what you're doing. I'm okay. And that's exactly what Ecclesiastes is. It's like, hey, go out, have a good time, seize the day, seize the moment, have a good time at what you're doing. Because when you're dead, you can't have any of this stuff. It's just over. It's finite. Um, Amanda, you stepped out, but if you could put the scripture thing on here for Ecclesiastes. Oh, you did. Never mind. All right. Apparently, I can't. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, that's pretty much all I have. I know it's not as long as I usually go, but I don't know. I just feel like I needed to talk about this stuff because I get really introspective, especially in the winter months because it's so dang cold. The sun goes down way earlier. Um, like we were driving the other day and I was like, Amanda, it's like five o'clock and the sun's out a little bit. And then I'm like, wait, like four months from now, the sun's going to be out at like seven 30. Um, and I hate December, not because of Christmas, but I'm like, it, it, the sun goes down at like four o'clock. It's like I get home from work. I go to work and it's dark out. I come home and like an hour or two after I get home, it's dark again. I'm like, this is just not fun. Um, but yeah, I get really introspective. Uh, and I just feel when we go through suffering, when we go through loss, um, especially death, sometimes I feel especially for people who are more people who uh, adhere to Christianity or who, you know, let the Bible speak to them. I think, I think there's definite places and I, hopefully I showed it well enough in the scripture that allows us to go there, allows us to question, allows us to lament because I never was shown this in the church. This was stuff that I was shown by professors in seminary just, or also just sitting down myself and being like, well, here it is. And I'm not saying the Bible answers all of life's questions, and I don't think it's meant to, but I literally think when it comes to suffering, grief, heartache, uh, whatever, I think going here is not going to solve all the issues. It's not going to take the pain or that hurt away. But if it can find some solace in your life and some, and it can give you any sort of hope, then I think that's better than not having anything at all. So, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Uh, please reach out if you watch this or listen to it when it comes out. We always, I usually, I don't know, a couple times a week, we'll check the feed to see if there's new comments or, or whatever. Um, and yeah, as, as always, have a great day whenever you listen to this. And always, always be kind to one another. Because um, we're all in this life together. We're, this is all that we know we have right now. So just be kind to one another and love one another. Till next time, guys. Bye.
going to solve all the issues. It's not going to take the pain or that hurt away. But if it can find some solace in your life and some, and it can give you any sort of hope, then I think that's better than not having anything at all. So, uh, Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Uh, please reach out if you watch this or listen to it when it comes out. We always, I usually, I don't know, a couple times a week, we'll check the feed to see if there's new comments or, or whatever. Um, and yeah, as as always, have a great day whenever you listen to this. And always, always be kind to one another. Because um, we're all in this life together. We're This is all that we know we have right now. So just be kind to one another and love one another. Till next time, guys. Bye.